0: in this week's episode this banana this the a- on and this <coughs> sorry <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode three of Pub Science. You're listening to the, uh, I'm going to say, sultry tones of bit, me. Yeah, Dulcet maybe. Isaac Williams. And it's a pleasure to be snuggled up once more to Mr Science himself, Ben Carrington. How are we, Benji? Yeah, I'm doing well, mate. You see, I um, put some fresh, crisp white sheets oh, on for you. You've got the candle on the go candle's as well. candle's burning as well. Very romantic. Thought I'd make it a little bit romantic no, for it's you. That's nice it's nice. Um, what have you been looking up to um, oh not much really we had a we had a good time at Craft Beer Rising didn't we yeah it's good yeah a few beers found some suitably drunk people to speak to yeah doubled up on a curry absolutely that was a dodgy curry yeah, though wasn't it yeah it's bad you had to pay twice yeah that was not good two curries is not the answer we had a few beers last weekend as well another mate's birthday everyone's born in shout February March shout out to Jim. our dear friend Jim yeah 25 um, what do we do bottomless brunch Few beers, beers, some beers, ping pong. beers, ping pong, beers. Sleep by nine. Sleep by nine. Yeah, it was good. Good fun. Um, How about you, mate? What have you been up to? Went for a little run this morning. Yeah, just 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 for the pod. So what what are we? It's ten a.m. on a Saturday morning. What what did you do this morning? Well, here's what happened. So I stayed around my girlfriend's last night. You don't have she a girlfriend. <laughs> She's not real. We've we've established. Stayed it. at mine last night. <laughs> <laughs> Woke up at half five, and I thought I'll go for a little run. As you do, as everyone does. So I went for a little run.
1: A I little didn't see run. No problem
0: with that. What, how, how far did you? How far did you run? Sometimes <clears throat> you just have to wake up and run thirteen miles, mate. Just got to wake up at five a.m. and run a half marathon. Just what you got to do. Sets you up nicely. I mean, it hasn't set me up that nicely. I'm absolutely knackered now. Yeah. But do, do you want to know what I've done as a disparity compared to you this what morning? What i doing? I've had two poos and eaten uh, <laughs> eggs and sausages. So. Yeah. Good sausages, actually, weren't they? Yeah, good, really good sausages. You them um, as well, don't they? When you come round. You I'm do. grooming you, you. do indeed. I'm worried, actually, we're just going to get fat doing this. Because yeah, true. We, well, at least we're not having beers because we're doing them early in the morning. Yeah, I think the beer thing just doesn't have really happen, does it? We'll need to start maybe doing in the pubs. Do a, maybe we should do a bonus. Ooh, live episode in a pub. A live puppet. Mm, a lot of variables that could go wrong. Probably will, but it'll be funny. But we did the craft beer thing and. Yeah, and it kind of went all right. Yeah. It went okay. Some latter who thought aliens existed. Sure. Um, so we've been we've been canvassing for some constructive criticism from our listeners, <laughs> otherwise known as the the three or four friends that who've we have yeah. listened beyond the first episode. Um, and a common complaint seems to be that what, complaint. People if, are complaining. If by some strange of events, uh, someone outside of our inner circle listens to the podcast. Yeah they're going to have absolutely no idea who you are. Because I, I sort of set my stall out early as the, the resident idiot. Yeah. But um, who the hell are you? What qualifies well, you to talk about I science? I mean, I'm an international man of mystery. So let me, let me maybe set a scene for, for, for people listening. So well, descriptively, you know, six foot five, really athletic, not true. stocky. Absolutely um, not true. I am a, by trade, I am a breeder of puppies. So I have, you know, a a, a a room full of lovely, little, adorable little puppy farm. Little puppies. And um, I am su- like suitably rich. Like I have literal sheds full of cash. Sheds of cash. So, ladies, if you're listening, that's right. And look like a, I guess, a cross between um, maybe like a Clooney and Ephron. All highly debatable claims. Um what? But what about the science background? What about the I science? Mean, you went so, to Australia, cut up some rats. Yeah, I did a bit of that. that sort of so, thing. Any um, listening I guess in? I am not an expert in, in that I am not a professor. I have an undergraduate degree in science. Mm-hmm. I have worked as a scientist, as you mentioned, in Australia. Again, for the ladies, I was uh, helping to uh, try and cure oh, childhood brain cancer. Go. So I did a lot of work um, looking at the etiology of brain cancer, medulloblastoma specifically, um, and looking at ways we can um, target them with, with um, antibody drug conjugate therapeutics. Medal? Yeah, I would like a medal. No. Or just someone to, to give me a nice <laughs> hug. some recognition. So, um, I have a science background and as you know, Isaac, I do annoy you and our friends a lot when we go out and have beers and all I want to talk about is science. Mm. I'm, a, I'm like a little bit too into science, love science and a variety they? of topics. So, I, I know a thing or two, I'm no expert, I have to admit, but mm. I have a... All right, knowledge about quite a few things, um, but maybe not so much this area. I'm a little bit nervous about this episode, mate. Yeah, so it's quite dense. I mean, we've covered poo eating and the history of humankind. Um, I mean, you've assured me there are, in fact, more topics to cover before we've completed science. Yeah, yeah there's a few more. But uh, I mean, this one is is dense, isn't it? It's heavy. Um, I it's mean, proper hen- science now. We're actually we've. I'm so glad we started at poo, and I was just like, in complete despair and yeah we were talking about poo. We've made it to actual scientific topics now. This is, like, this is the brain. Alright, this mean. is my utopia. So what? what is it? Go on. We're going to talk about memories. We're going to talk about how they're formed, what they are, um, the role that different environmental factors, such as sleep and stress, have to play in, in your ability to remember. And then we're going to have a little talk about... Um, Memories and, and and diseases that that can impact memory. Mm. Yeah, I mean when I when you first mentioned the idea of of doing memory, I was all for it. Yeah, but, um, I saw your pre podcast notes and oh, I spent a long time. There is there's a lot of science. There's a, there's a lot memory. of science. Well, I also realised that I haven't <laughs> actually done much neuroscience um, for five or six years. You know, I just oh, didn't I'm keep up same, on my neuroscience. I'm yeah, you same. know, so I had but... to go go back through some lectures, read a couple of books. Um didn't actually do any proper work this week at work. I was just researching. Yeah. So Actually, if you're if you're listening from work, I was boss. I was I was working hard. You I wasn't prioritizing. Yeah, exactly. So uh, how do we, how do we get into memory right. then? What what we're going to talk about, you know, memories um, are obviously reconstructed mental images or occurrences that that are taken from your experiences mm. in the world. So best place to start is probably with the brain. We talk about brains. Can I just can I just get a little contribution in early because I think yeah. for most of this podcast I'm just going to be sat here in silence. Okay. So I read a good analogy from uh, human memorynet memory dot net. That sounds that said, sounds like a uh, reputable, a website. legit source. Our memories are not stored in our brains like books on library You're shelves. You're going to read it word for word, are you? But are actually on the fly reconstructions from elements scattered throughout various areas of our brains. yeah, so that's a key key theme we don't have like that mental log that filing cabinet in our brains mm. um and it, it's quite a difficult concept but you're, you're completely right the the brain is ever shifting and changing, and memories are drawn from different sources and combined I think one of the puzzle yeah like a puzzle reconstruction like a little jigsaw yeah nice. so um obviously in in the brain there are different Centers um, and different regions, um, some that are associated with different tasks, but but obviously there are some that are associated with memory. It's not that black and white like that. This specific area is the only area that looks at memory, mm. um, and all of the different brain regions are a kind of interconnected um, via obviously neurons. Um, so there's kind of like a constant dialogue going on between different different um, brain regions, um, and so. One, one thing to say out straight away is we're going to talk about some certain areas that are associated with memory, but it's, it's a combination. It's an additive effect of um, different parts of the brain working together. Is it true that we know more about space than we do... Is that, is that a brain. Brian Cox fact? Is that, Something like that, We know yeah. more about space than our own brain. What's mm-hmm. that? That's Brian Cox. Coxie. That's, yeah. how, that's what he sounds like. Is he here? Yeah, he's in the corner. Brian. <laughs> Hi, Isaac, I'm Brian Cox. <laughs> so um... Yeah, sorry, that was was a little bit creepy, wasn't it? Um, So, within the brain, we're going to have a a, a little chat about synapses because, um, as you'll know, our brain is made up of uh, millions upon millions of neurons, which are nerve cells. These are our brain cells. Mm. Um, And so, memories are encoded and stored using um, electrical and chemical signals. Um, And this really occurs at synapses. So, synapses are... The physical junctions between nerve cells. So you you literally have a physical gap between mm. two neurons. Around like it's not a big gap. It's like kind of I think 20 to 40 nanometers. Yeah. So really, and why really is why is there small. that gap? Why aren't they just connected? Um, that's a good point. I think it allows the con- the conduction of um, action potentials and electrical signals quicker mm. across neurons. Neurons are really. Um, so so the way that a message or a signal or a, or a sensory information travels along a neuron um, is like an electrical wave that goes along, kind of like a Mexican wave that spreads along the neuron. Um, however, neurons have to be insulated, and it's quite inefficient to pass that wave along a neuron right. um, because they're quite long and thin. And so um, you can use synapses as a way of, of quickly spreading that message. And I think also because you want... And, and we'll come on to some of this this plasticity in, in the brain. It's the idea that neurons could shift connections um, and the, having physical gaps means that your neurons can be a lot more like Lego and you can remould and reshape it whereas they were, if they were physically connected you'd have a, a locked rigid. structure and system. As we'll come to find out, the actual the network and um, how multiple synapses are connected defines how you remember things and that's always shifting. And so if it was rigid and... Um, and properly, you know, connected, physically connected, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have this kind of plasticity, which is a hallmark of our ability to remember. So, yes. um, electri- yeah. electri- electrical, thanks, mate. That's right. it's off the cuff. Jesus, I didn't research that. <laughs> Fucking hell, you put me under pressure. It's early on a Saturday morning, and you're yeah, grilling you, me. Yeah, you did well there. Um, so, as, as mentioned, these action potentials, these electrical pulses, travel along a neuron until they reach the end. Um, and then that's where you get to this synaptic gap, this synaptic cleft, or, the, or this physical junction. What what happens is when it, when that electrical Mexican wave gets to the end, there's a release of a chemical called a neurotransmitter that physically kind of diffuses and jumps across this gap, and then goes into the 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 end of the other neuron, mm. and then kickstarts the wave down there. And so. You're, you will have heard of some um, neurotransmitters like dopamine, serotonin mm. one. The feel good. Canvas. Yeah, the feel good. Norepinephrine, or otherwise known as adrenaline, is another one. Um, and depending on the type of transmitter, it has a different effect on the other um, neurons. So, like our feel good ones, your dopamine, your serotonin are obviously, um, they're, they're, they excite the fellow neurons, whereas mm. you can have kind of more depressive neurons that um, maybe cancel out the action potential being spread as quickly and, and, and dumb it down. So, they're, they're, they're these physical snaps, um, synapses. Snaps. Um, uh, how many of them do you think are in the brain? How many, how many synapses do you reckon? Um, we're always dealing with ridiculously big numbers, aren't we? Yeah, so, always. You've got to go um, big. Don't go with like, what did you go last time? Like seven or ten? Uh, you joker. S- five billion. Oh, you're so out. 100 trillion I was going 100, to go in the trillions. and that's how much money i have by always the way always going in the trillions 100 trillion in the it's bank it's in the trillions isn't it? it's always in the trillions so um and and, dif- and neurons are constantly making and remaking these connections um and and so you've got to think so brain regions are made up of neurons and the network of connections between these neurons so you've mm. got to think at the macro scale around it's the idea that this is a this is a network of neurons that are Synapsing and changing and strengthening synaps- synapses with particular neurons, and then moving over and, and have the ability to remold and then connect to different neurons. and Multiple neurons can be connected at like big roundabouts, like the Hemel Hempstead roundabout. You can mm-hmm. have like loads connected together. So what happens then when so when feel good? Ke- so if you do something that makes you happy, like eat a nice bicky or something, lovely bicky, yeah. Um, what what's actually going on in your brain? More of those. Yeah, are being yeah, those yeah, synaps- those serotonins are being are being released um, as like a yeah as, as like an excitatory like a uh, you know the the sensory the taste the physical taste on your taste bud of gets that bicky gets relayed biki, to the brain, gets to the brain, releases through these electrical pulses, which releases these serotonin mm. um, neurotransmitters at the synapses, which is why you go like, wow, that was an excellent bicky. Mm, okay. oh, that's a good dunker. Favorite bicky. Favorite bicky. I love the, uh, the thin milk digestives with the caramel in between. Yeah, they're oh, good, actually. I like a so chocolate-rich tea. Have you ever had one of them? No. Interesting. Yeah. Rich tea's a bit, a bit more boring than digestive. Yeah, but a bit of chocolate on there, livening it up. Oh, God. <laughs> boring guy. <laughs> um, so, talked about synapses there. Um, we're mm. now going to talk about the region of the brain that's most associated with memory. This is the hippocampus. It's a group of neurons, um, you know, a a brain region associated in that's in the limbic system. Mm. Um, Can I just say my little joke here because I made a little note. This you got you got joke some jokes. Yeah. Oh God. What, 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 come on. Then what's your joke? Hippocampus. What is that? A university of hippos? Hippos on the campus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's good. Did you get it. I, I get it. It's almost as funny as my uh, my good. paradox joke earlier it's about high intelligence. It? Oh, God, we're funny. Jokes. Funny episode. It's too early. So um, the hippocampus is where the brain stores memories or that's associated with, with memory and learning. Um, and so there's the, the obviously the, the, the classic case of the taxi driver. Um, you know, your your London cabbies um, tend to have enlarged hippocampi um, when when they've been... Is it in and the this is an actual organ, is it? In the, in it's in the in the yeah, it's a region in the brain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, so a group, a network of neurons in the brain um, that deals with memory and learning. And so they have enlarged hippocampi because they have to obviously remember, like it's associated with them having to remember all the streets of London and mm-hmm. all the fastest routes. So they're not they so much to, like they're all using satnav these days, aren't they? Well, yeah, they're cheating these days. So, like, mate, Uber, they aren't in business anymore. Uber is, not, is it, not only does it have questionable ethics, it's also. So as we're contributing to the reduction of taxi drivers hippocampi. Can you imagine that? as like a, a chanting slogan like no more Uber. Give us back our hippocampi. Stop producing the size of taxi drivers <laughs> hippocampi. <laughs> the hippocampus is what's associated with memory, but like as we're saying here, it's not the single centre of memory. Memory is really complex and, and a multifaceted process. So, um, but it is involved, obviously, in, in laying down a diversity of new skills, new facts, new events. Um, and, and kind of forming memory and then being part of the, the retrieval process of remembering um, those memories and bringing them back up from the subconscious into the conscious. <laughs> Segwaying into another interesting part. Sensory path. memory. So we're going to talk about sensory memory. So before we go into sensory memory, we're just going to outline. Uh, we're going to do a bit, of, uh, a bit of outlining of the process of memory. So
1: picture Stay tuned, this. guys.
0: Listen up. Here we go. Exp- <laughs> going in. Turning this into a rap. Lay down yeah. a beat, don't we? <laughs> wow. Right. Yo. We go from the experience to the sensory memory. That's a couple of seconds. Then turned into short-term memory. Then your short-term memories turned into long-term memory, and that's where your memories are stored. Yo. That was, quite that was quite good. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's our rap name? Rap duo name? Um, ben and Isaac. <laughs> ben and Isaac. I think it's like. Shorty B and the Vanilla Boys, yeah, <laughs> I like that. I'm because... Shorty B. If you didn't know that, what am I, the Vanilla Boys, <laughs> Vanilla Boys, all of them. <laughs> you're multiple boys. You're oh. the Vanilla Boys, because of your skin tone, but also because you're because I'm a boy. Oh, yeah, you're, yeah, boy, not not yeah. not bland and boring. So, um, if you didn't make sense of that, really good rap. Um, the the root of memory um, or forming a memory is you you get a stimuli, you turn that into sensory memory. That goes into short-term memory and is then um, put into long-term memory and that's where it's stored. Um, so sensory memory. All the time you're processing sensory information through through your sensory receptors. Your smell, your taste, your touch, your sight, temperature, mechanoreceptors receptors which deal with pressure and distortion on your skin. So like me running my my fingers up your thigh fingers right now through my hair and you can smell the <laughs> vanilla on these sheets. That's all sensory information that you're going to remember Taking but in. probably want to forget. Um, so this information um, is stored um, and then transferred into short term memory and it's stored in your sensory inform- in, in your, in your sensory memory for a fraction of a second. Um, and so this just gives you the the ability to retain those impressions after the stimuli cease. So you know when you're on the tube and you're sniffing someone's hair without them noticing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're always yeah. doing that on the tube. It, it Allows you to to take in that that smell, that impression okay. once once that sensory Recall information has, has, has stopped. So in theory, could every single thing mm. that that you experience be recalled, or no. or some experience? Does the brain have like a filter system that it just? Like. Absolutely. And this is this is one of the thing's we're trying to work out is why there's a filter system. You can't you can't um, memorize all of your experiences because it would just be an overload of information. And so it happens like if you think walking down the street or waiting for a tube or something, um, you don't actually remember all of those pieces in your surrounding. Your brain, mm. funny enough, actually just builds them into your process but or into that experience based on your previous experiences. So in answer to your question, in a long-winded way, no. You can't take in all that sensory information. There is a filter as you turn sensory information into short-term memory and into long-term memory. So there's different kinds of, of kind of quick sensory memory. There's iconic memory, looking at like it fleeting images. Uh, echoic memory is auditory information. Um, haptic, which is the kind of touch. Um, and this process of gathering this sensory memory um, is called encoding. So it starts with this perception, like this, this, this first experience. So like the first time you fell in love, Isaac? First time I laid eyes on you. First time you laid eyes on me. Yeah. What do you remember? What were the you know, what was your what what visions do you have? The touch, the smell, the taste, all those sensations. What 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 were those when you first the saw feeling me? in my um in my pants? In your groin. Yeah. That that might be some Hot. testicular problem. <laughs> Yeah, you might have a a problem there. Go and see a Should doctor. Check that out. Yeah, let's, let's, get, let's get that checked out. <laughs> you shouldn't shouldn't have hot feelings in your pants. Throbbing in your testicles. <laughs> your pants are too tight, mate. Get some loose baggy boxes. Um so you take all of those those sensations. They travel to the to the hippocampi. Um, and so that's that's kind of the sensory memory that is then integrated into this one experience, and then that's what will turn into short term memory. So um it's important to say sensory memory as as we've talked about. Yeah, you, it's not involved in kind of higher cognitive functions, i.e. like you can't consolidate memories from sensory memory, you can't control consciously control which sensory information you're taking in because there's so much all the time we're surrounded by sensory information, as we talked about, your brain feels in the gaps now and then, and you can't consciously control all of the time which sensory information you're taking in. It depends where your attention is at that mm. point in time. We'll talk about attention and its importance in memory in a little bit. Just, just quickly... Um, yeah, we've been friends for a while. Too long, mate. Too long. What's um, what's your what's your fondest memory of me? My fondest memory of you. So we're going back ten ten or so years now. About that, yeah. Um, we'd been at a an evening soiree. Yeah. Um, I don't know where this is going. You know where this is going. <laughs> at, at a friend's house. Um, we'd had a, had a few drinks, probably some warm cans, maybe a couple of liters of disgusting some frosty jacks. Fosters. Yeah, maybe some warm <laughs> fosters. Um, and you know it's late at night. You, myself, and, and our, our dear friend Thomas, we had to get back to his house. And, you know, this is in the country in Oxfordshire. We couldn't use the main quite a main road. cycle away, wasn't it? It was, it was quite a cycle. But, you know, we're young, young chipper boys. We're fit lads. We had our bikes. We were raring to go. Spunky young bucks. Spunky. Don't ever go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Spunky young. Can you stop talking about your spunk and Hop your on genitals? our bicycles. We hopped on I our read. bicycles, and off we went, no riding we went. back to our friend's house. And I think... Well, I mean, there was, there was a warning sign. There was a warning shot fired when you... Um, instead of it. <laughs> yeah, instead of veering with us to the right at the fork, you cycled straight into a ditch. Yeah, but then Just we were out the wheels. maybe half half a mile later, we were going up a, a gravelly hill path, and you know it was you know, the air was out of our lungs. It was a, it was a tough cycle, <laughs> and you happened to go face first over your handlebars, yeah, split your I, face open. I think I tried to overtake you, a show of bravado, and must have hit hit a, a divot in the oh track. yeah it was definitely a divot it wasn't real big divot to do with your and went face first into the, into the gravel split your face open we had to my fondest memory of that is you crying your eyes out <laughs> as we walked home um, it's a long walk blood as well. pouring out your face and asking us how far have we got to go and me and Tom going oh yeah mate it's just, just about 20 minutes and we had maybe four or five miles it took us about two hours it's to walk home walk, yeah. it's a long walk and then we called you Scarface for three months after that didn't Scarface. we Scarface um, yeah your face has never been the same my mum never actually knew that i drank that night either. So if you're listening, mum. Oh, dear. Wow, there's a confession. Go. <laughs> there you go. Jane, I'm so sorry I had to bring this out. There you go. I think that's, she probably tuned out when we started why, talking about my stuff. That's why she, now, <laughs> she probably doesn't want to hear that. That's why every time you now look at your son, you go, ugh. <laughs> look at that face. So that's my favourite. What about you? What's your favourite memory of me? Um, You've got one? I think actually one of the things I hate most about you is that you you never really embarrass yourself, do you? You've got, I mean I can't think off the top of my head of any times that you you've shown yourself Just roll up roll with it. You got to roll with it when you when you get in embarrassing situations, you know. Yeah. Um no, I had a embarrassing think. one the other day at work where um I was doing a poo. I was listening to music. I don't really listen to music on the toilet. Mm. I was quite I get in work quite early. Cleaner was in. I didn't hear a knock on the cubicle. She obviously thought it was locked and then from the outside I had those keys to to open it up and there you are there I am squatted over squatted over mid-wipe. mid wipe mid wipe oh I t- I, luckily I don't stand when I wipe so Tinkle's not out don't trust a standing wipe locking eyes and then then who backs down I'm yeah. not going to back down I'm going to sit there I'm going to stare you out get, get out, out of there my there cubicle or? um no she like she locked, she locked the door yeah. and said she was sorry and locked the door but it was one that didn't have a window so it's stinky oh, up in there and like you can see her eyes watering it as, as, the, as the, the smell hit her I'm glad you're not a standing wiper though I don't, I don't like trust those guys. people no now yeah. they're, they're going to turn out to be on register or support. never t- equally never trust a, um, a, a back to front wiper pod pole, front to back or back to front, front. front to back or back to front. Let us know. At, um, we don't even have an email, do we? No, we don't just, just um, leave a review. Just, just, just tell us. It'll just be our mates when it? so just let us know next yeah. time we see. you. Yeah, we'll see you in it. We'll probably see you today. So just, just tell us. So we're going to move on to short term memory now. Um, This is, it takes part in kind of the the frontal cortex. This is where most of your dopamine sensory neurons are. Your frontal cortex um, is really important in kind of reward, attention, motivation, um, and is involved in short-term memory with your hippocampus. um, And basically deciding from all these various sensory inputs, um, it's being that filter and decides which one's worth remembering, as we talked about we're still trying to un- identify what, what the selection criteria is for a filter, why certain, mem- why certain sensory information is remembered and some is ditched and binned. So there's a couple key characteristics to short-term memory. One, um, the first one is limited capacity to store information. So it's uh, our good friend Miller, you know Mr yeah, Miller? I know him. It's, it's his law of seven. Mm-hmm. So it's seven plus or minus two. I don't know, he's, I reckon he's just, he's nine, just called out and nine gone. Nine or five. Good maths, quick maths. Thanks. Two thanks. plus, seven plus minus two, quick maths. That's another rap record. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, actually, I like that one. Um, so his law of seven is we there are seven things that we can remember at any one time in our short term memory. I think he's just been asked. He's gone. Someone's gone. Uh, that's Miller, what, what is it? And he's gone. Uh, I can remember seven? more than seven things. Ask, ask me to remember short term memory. Okay. Um, how many pots were on the sink downstairs? I thought you were going to say things, and then I was going to remember them. recall them. Yeah. Yeah, but that's long term memory. Oh, is that, oh fuck. Short term memory. How many pots? Uh, define a pot. What do you mean by pot? Um, a saucepan or a frying pan. Before I wash them up. Yeah. Two. Yes, yeah, that's, that's right. Colour Two. pants you're wearing. Don't look. Uh, white. Uh, There's sort of white and black with black spots. Well, now you have to get in your pants. I can confirm this. There's. That's so wrong. They're, oh, they're camel spots, are they? God, you haven't washed those either. What are those stains? Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> I think we just proved that there's a limited capacity to short-term memory. We've done a live experiment, oh. mate. Um, it's also a limited duration, as you can tell from Isaac's terrible short-term memory. So it's fragile. The 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 storage of this short-term memory is fragile. Information can be lost um, with the passage of time. It decay. This kind of the decay assumption. So this this short-term memory, the information must be periodically kind of repeated. Um, in order to overcome it being lost, it kind of spontaneously lost. So obviously when you're revising for exams, what you try and do is you repeat it and that turns it from short-term memory into long-term memory because if you only kind of read it once, it would be stored in short-term memory and then just lost, mm. so that's, that's the whole process when you did that. So this is, this is where kind of encoding occurs, so it's, as we talked about, it's turning all of those sensory inputs into one memory or one association um, that's, that's stored. Just Um, just quickly, because this is getting quite heavy. Yeah. Um, This is... I've I've got a new sort of feature for us. And it's it's called um, Joke of the Week. Joke of the Week. Joke of the Week. We've had bangers already. Um, You ready? Yeah. What's Beethoven's favourite fruit? Beethoven's favourite fruit. Well, so he's German. I imagine the Germans like... I imagine tangerines. It's a... banana did you get it? was actually a Beethoven song. Yeah, because he has that song that goes... Da, 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 da. So it's like... Banana-na-na. Banana-na-na. Na. Na, na. That's banana. Banana, yeah. That's banana-na. Ba- that would be banana One for our more cultured listeners. I don't think you get it. I don't think no, you I don't fully get it. get it. I don't get it, mate. It's, it's not, not on your wavelength. It's not. Segwaying from joke of the week into long-term memory. This is the memory consolidation process. This is where you... Stabilise these little fragile, young, short-term Feeble memories. memories. Brian Cox's short-term oh, memories really about like that. stars are consolidated into long-term memories. Makes me uncomfortable with that Does. impression. <laughs> is it the way I stare at you as mm, I do yeah, it? Yeah, and spit all over you. Just, all um, anyway, so long-term memory. You turn short-term memory into long-term memory via memory consolidation. So this is where... Um, a piece of, like, like we talked about, the more a piece of information is repeated and used, the more likely it is to be transported and turned into to long-term memory. So the encoding process here, whilst in short-term memory, um, that the encoding process is based on the sensory information you're gathering. For long-term memory, you encode the information um, more semantically. So it's based on kind of a meaning or association. So that experience is linked to a meaning or an association. So for example, in your long-term memory is the, um, the, the memory you have of your throbbing genitals, mm. and that's associated with the time you first saw me. Okay. So that's how you turn short-term memory into long-term memory. Your brain associates it with, a, with an event, a scenario, or something like that. There are examples where that doesn't happen. So for instance, like when a, when a word is on the tip of your tongue, you, you know its meaning, but you can't actually remember how it's pronounced. So you understand the association, but it's actually the mm. sensory information of, oh, I heard that word, but how oh, is it what is pronounced? It? What is it? I can't remember. Her that. Legomenon! Yeah, like that. it's normally that. Yeah, it's normally her on. legomenon. Um, so long-term memory has a, a theoretical unlimited capacity, um, but the main constraint is on recalling the information as opposed to actually storing the information so Mm. your brain's good at storing it what I think sets out like super nerds from the rest of us is the ability for super nerds to recall recall it and recall tons and tons of different information so that's a difficult process so there's different types of long-term memory you've got procedural which is like your motor skills so so, I guess memory is is intrinsically linked to intelligence so if you've got a good memory you're essentially very clever yeah, but well, I mean, memory that depends and how you define. There must be yeah, because and I mean, memory. so we define intelligence by a, uh, rightly or wrongly, by a exam system which mm. is completely dependent on you um, recalling information. System. So, in that sense, yes, intelligence is linked to the recall of information. However, there's a there's a strong argument that just because you can recall a lot of information, it, prob- it doesn't mean you're necessarily Understand intelligent it. and free thinking, free thinking and can um, adapt and roll with different scenarios, which is what that adaptability to problem-solve in a certain scenario is what I would call intelligence, not the ability just to recall information. So, the physical process that's happening in this, this, um, (coughs) sorry, Uh, the physical process that's happening in this consolidation process of turning short-term memory into long-term memory is called um, long-term potentiation, rolls off the tongue. and this, Who comes up with these names? Um, I, well, I, I, yeah, scientists aren't really... I mean, you're just going to say factually what it is. Mm. Like, There's lots of anagrams in science because they say what it is, and that could be like six or seven words, and so they always Condense shorten it, it. into a cool yeah. anagram. Cool anagram. Coolograms, as I call them. Are <laughs> you? Um, <laughs> no, never. So, long-term potentiation. And this links back to when we were talking about synapses and their ability to um, interconnect... With certain situations, and then, and then move. So um, long-term potentiation is the, the kind of the strengthening of a synapse between two neurons. So when that synapse becomes strengthened and there's a lot of backwards and forwards, a lot of electrical signals being passed between them, that strengthens, that strengthens those particular interactions. And it won't usually be one neuron with another. It'll be a group of different neurons. How do you strengthen... Because a synapse isn't actually a physical thing. Yeah. But how, how does that get strengthened? Then? By strength it means like... Just frequently used yeah frequently used is what when we're saying strengthen it's not like a physical bonding yeah that's being mm, used a lot by a mole rat and the mole rats using it a lot like the viet Cong, viet Cong in their tunnels Mm, okay they were strong synapses um and that kind of underpins the synaptic plasticity so you think about um one of your short-term memories um so if you use it a lot like now i know that isaac's wearing lovely tight white pants i'm going to tell myself that several times the two synapses, or the synapse, the connection of synapses of certain neurons in my brain, are strengthening now because they're constantly relaying signals to each other, going, "Oh, Isaac's wearing lovely pants," mm. or oh, "Isaac's wearing lovely pants," lovely or pants, "Isaac's lovely wearing pants. lovely pants," and now that will be stored in my long-term memory because those connections are strengthened. Whereas um, the short-term memory of there's two pots downstairs, I don't think about that a lot. There's an, those the, those particular neurons that are synapsing to create that memory. Um, a weakening there's not a lot of firing there and so i'm forgetting that and those connections will eventually fade those synapses will break off and that's kind of what synaptic plasticity is so they're not okay. rigidly rigidly stuck those long-term memories that are kept and that um you're able to recall are a strengthening of groups of neurons coming together at synapses because they're constantly talking to each other nice done that's the process of memory now we're <laughs> going to go on to memory retrieval and recall this is where sh- gets interesting get excited people whoop, here whoop, we go it's the sound of the memory We're retrieval whoop, whoop. it's the sound of memory retrieval <laughs> okay memory retrieval so another bit of a weird paradox here isaac oh, i'm excited weird paradox of the week no, with brian Cox. so it's a really weird scenario retrieving memory That's so retrieving weird, information because how weird it's weird because on you are unconsciously retrieving a piece of information so you know remember that one time you're like oh what's the word and bang and consciously it's brought into your conscious there it is so you go from unconscious to conscious so it's just amazing (laughs) come on and as we talked about science really does astound doesn't it um (laughs) so it's not it's not a library it's not like a filing cabinet or a bookshelf to reconstruct a memory to retrieve it to recall it it uses you know these memories are um, scattered throughout certain parts of, of, of our you know, networks and, and our brain areas, so to reconstruct a memory we're using different elements from different various areas of the brain um, and so it's not it's kind of like it's not really a replaying of that memory like whacking it on an overhead projector mm. replaying it, it's, it's kind of like a, an active reconstruction it's like we were saying earlier about the jigsaw yeah so People. it's not the idea that you press, you, you pick it out, you've recorded this memory, you press play and it's there. What you do is you take the elements um, that, that you remember and you actively reconstruct it mm. in your consciousness. Um, and so it's, it's a, using a similar pattern of neuronal activity. So whatever fired off in my, my neurons to go, oh, Isaac's wearing white pants mm. and now firing again. So it's not a case of pressing play. It's repeating that pe- that pattern of neuronal activity, passing the electrical wave from one neuron to this neuron to that neuron. And that's the kind of the active reconstruction of the memory. So it replays that pattern of neuronal activity that was originally generated when you encoded that memory. Um, And so interestingly, each time, if you're still listening and still interested, each time you retrieve a memory and this kind of active reconstruction of a memory, you can actually modify that memory. So you essentially re-encode it. So instead of pressing record you're almost recording over it over mm-hmm. it so um, that kind of re-encoding process can make the retrieval of that memory more recallable in the future um, and so new research has shown that that when a memory is retrieved it's updated with new information that you have at the present time of, of remembering so I guess the, the, the overarching concept here is a memory is not frozen in time so it's not frozen in the time that you took that memory you're not simply just replaying that memory you're actively reconstructing it and you can add new information. Into that old memory as you replay it. So, for instance, if we talk about, like, we talk about when you uh, when you split your face open, I didn't remember my recall of that, mem- my, that memory. I didn't remember that you my fell heroic, off your bike trying my, to overtake me. You don't remember that heroic overtake. No, I don't remember that overtake. Chris Hoy on the hill. <laughs> um, but so now, that knowledge that you were actually trying to overtake me is now been incorporated into that memory. So now, when I recall it again, when I Go out with my other mates. I don't have any other mates. Yeah. And tell them about my wick mate, Izzy, Izzy Fizbo, and the yeah. time he split his face open. I'll now tell them that you were trying to overtake me. So that's the idea, that you can update these memories. Okay. Um, but also... But you can also distort, like... Well, yeah. That's why memories aren't... They can't be taken as truth. So I did a history degree, and you've always got to be wary of sources that are like it's met, remembered like a, a year or two years in the future, because they're going to be, like you said, filling in the gaps. Yeah. And it's not going to be a completely. Sort of Absolutely right. Accurate. And this is, this is one of the issues with the, um, the justice system. So a trial is all based on, or a lot of it is based on witness testimonies, right? Um, and there's, there's, it's a really interesting piece of psychology where you get jurors who can lead people on with certain questioning and certain phrasing. And what that certain questioning or phrasing does. Is it's updating their memory? It's 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 making them give, feeding false information to that person's memory, so they think of it as themselves. So an example here being they did some studies, and so um, Who's if they? there is they the people the people the people sorry mate I haven't I haven't remembered the source I noted down. I actually I believe that was uh, Mr Roger Wilson um, in the journal All Things About Justice, and it's page eighty two, and that was out in nineteen ninety six. There we go. That's there we need. it is. Record it. Um, so they Cheers, did a Roger. study where. Um, so a juror asked the person to um, remember a, um, a traffic accident that they were witnessing and one line of questioning was um, how fast was the car traveling and the person on average would say it was traveling slower than if the question was how quickly was that car traveling. Mm. So the way he phrases it um, on a, at what speed was it traveling versus how quickly, um, using that, that phraseology quickly is updating or influencing that person to update their memory and think oh no that that car was travelling a lot quicker and it was on average like 20 miles an hour quicker or something like that mm. that they'd say by, so that and it's weird to think that that underpins deciding if people are guilty or innocent that kind of yeah. bit off topic but so but you're, beats, you're right this idea that memories aren't also reliable to be fair it beats um, time rocks around their feet and chucking them in, in, a, in a lake but, chuck them yeah. off a cliff see if they fly yeah like witches if they do they're a witch yeah if they don't they're not and you go oh Bob wasn't a witch yeah well oh, well, to be fair it filters out the people that aren't witches doesn't it true so sound sound process so, so said. And, and you're right and there's there's um, well I was reading somewhere that you know this idea of oh yeah I can remember like when I was two or when I came up my mum's fadge. like I can remember straight away <laughs> I mean I've never said that literally <laughs> I'm not sure anyone's <laughs> ever said that <laughs> I don't track that immediately <laughs> awful um, when people say they can remember things really young um, what they're actually probably remembering is um, being told that story so like oh yeah, yeah, I remember that time where I did a poop in my pants when I was six months old. Mm. Um, you're not actually remembering that, but because your mum's told you, yeah, yeah there was a time when like you shat yourself on a bus all over me when you were six months old you take that information and think it's your own memory. So you're right. Memories aren't always reliable. My <laughs> earliest memory? I'm not sure what my earliest memory I think memory. my earliest memory, and again, I'm not sure if this is right, is I was um, having an ice cream and a wasp landed on it and I licked the wasp and it, and it stung my tongue. But that would make sense, I, wouldn't it? Because you felt a yeah, strong, strong feeling. Yeah, but then this is the part of the memory I don't understand, is in my mind, this, what next happened is I ran into a bush. <laughs> right. And I, and I don't know why that's part of my memory, running into a bush afterwards. Panic? Maybe we'll have to get my mum on the phone. Maybe we can call up my mum and say... Yeah. Mum, this memory, why was the bush there? What really happened that day? What really happened that day? So, we're going to talk about the role of a couple of factors in memory. First one, being sleep. Lots of research going on, but it's basically largely accepted that, obviously, sleep plays a key role in the consolidation of your memory. So, short-term to long-term, that consolidation process, sleep is... Real, real crucial. Um, just because so, it gives you time, like distraction-free. Time yeah. To just so it allows, to it allows it allows kind of the memory process to be stabilised, enhances and better consolidates memories during sleep. Um, usually, kind of your episodic or semantic memories um, are enhanced and, and kind of um, consolidated during uh, slow wave sleep, which is otherwise known as deep sleep. So you want lots of deep sleep to help consolidate these memories. Um, more. Uh, non-declarative memories like procedural, spatial, emotional memories they're enhanced by rapid eye movement REM sleep um, and so there's definitely a strong link between the amount of sleep you have both rapid eye movement and deep sleep and how you consolidate memory so if you're going for tests like you've got to test the next day lots of sleep to turn that short term memory into long term memory um, remember to set your alarm though guys gotta wake up wake up, get your bits in you and go out and smash it smash it and then chill yeah smash and chill baby that's what we do that's how we roll the other thing we're going to talk about now is stress so stress plays a big role in interfering with your ability to encode memory and retrieve that information so stress hormones like cortisol um when you're stressed and they're secreted into the bloodstream they can occur they can cause kind of acute or chronic so really quick or long-term changes in brain regions, and we know that changes in brain networks and brain regions and neurons is, is, is the foundation of how memories are made, so these changes, um, you know, the cortisol can impact the hippocampus when it's in excessive quantities, impact the way that your, your neurons are networking and working together, and therefore um, impacting the way that you can recall and, and encode memories. so... Um, Again, another stress hormone, corticotrophin, which you know lots about, right? Oh, corticotrophin, uh, yeah. I'm yeah. all about the corticotrophin. Um, again, when you're stressed, this is released into the hippocampus, and they've actually shown that this leads to a disintegration of um, dendritic spines, which are basically feely little bits on the end of your neurons that are, that are responsible for the synapses. So, you know, those those wilt away. You have less synapses. Neurons become further apart. Less ability to collect and store memories, um, and interestingly as we'll go to talk on talk about in a minute stress has been heavily linked to dementia and dementia is obviously characterized by a loss of memory Um, and it's been shown through um, studies of elevated blood pressure um, can lead to damaging of of blood vessels in your brain um, which stops um, toxic proteins being moved out of your brain Um, and this has an effect on your ability of of your neurons to interact to connect to form these memories Um, and also interestingly um living next to busy roads has has been shown to more likely give you alzheimer's and lose memory so this idea of like lots of pollutants stress lots of noise mm. pollutants sight sounds all of that all of those stresses are actually having a literal impact on your ability to remember so which is terrifying we've been living in london for about what three years three years we are well yeah and that, like lots of long-term health issues With living in heavily polluted areas, not just we're talking about like smog pollution, we're talking about noise, we're talking about light pollution, all of this stuff is increasing stress levels in you and is literally having a direct impact on your brain function and structure and how you can remember things. Good. There's a positive spin here towards the end of the podcast. Now we're going to look at how do you improve your memory? How can you train your memory? So tell me, tell me, tell me more. Weird accents. Don't be (laughs) why. at the encoding process first so this is like learning the encoding as we talked about is taking that information and consolidating it whether it's sensory information to short-term memory or consolidating your short-term memory into long-term memory the key here as is pretty obvious is attention attention is key to the encoding process so, so what you're consciously aware of you didn't get that if you didn't get that then stop listening stop listening. Ha-ha, you're a, you're go an idiot listen. go and, a and listen fool- to your football podcast I quite like football podcasts. Yeah, I love them. They're quite good. Um, So, as we talked about, say we take sensory information, you don't take all of it in. You only take in the sensory information that you're really paying attention to, like what color are Isaac's pants? God, my pants get a lot of air time. time. So, um, intention's key to 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 remembering things, turning sens particularly turning sensory information into short term um, short term memory. It's key to that filter. As you as you like as you think, if you're if you're physically paying attention to that sense, that stimuli, then you're more likely to mem- to remember it. Um, uh, yeah, so attention's the most important factor there. Um, so now, Isaac, we're going to talk about improving memory and memory training. Yes! The bit you've been waiting for all pod. So first yes. of all, we're going to talk about the, uh, the encoding process. This is kind of the quote-unquote the learning bit. This is, as we talked about and as you've been paying a lot of attention to, um encoding is the process of turning sensory information into short-term memory or turning a short-term memory into a long-term memory. So and it's pretty obvious what the key is to to improving encoding of memories, Isaac. Attention. It's attention. So bing, 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 bing. attention. Um so paying attention is obviously key to, to encoding memory. It's because you, as we talked about, you're taking in so much sensory information, depending on what you're consciously aware of and consciously looking at and, and taking in those are going to be the things you remember. So um, a couple of other interesting things. We're talking When we're talking about working memory, been a study to show that your working memory is significantly improved if you're walking at a natural speed, so like a good steady walk. Um, and it's this idea that when you're doing two tasks at the same time that are using separate mental resources... So, i.e., like if you were, say, trying to watch two screens at once, you can't do that well. You can't pat remember what's head, going on. Patting your head and rubbing your, your tummy because you're doing the same thing at the same time. But if you're trying to, say, use a brain region for remembering your hippocampus, plus using uh, a region, um, which, you know, what region would this be? I don't know. I probably I the frontal that. cortex. I don't know what controls your motor function. Don't know. There we go. Slack Sh- as it. Don't know. Slack it. But it's this idea that if you're using two separate. Brain regions. So one to, to do with your motor skills, the, i.e. the walking. One to do with like your hippocampus, i.e. the remembering. University of hippos. University of hippos. Eh? They actually work synergistically to improve one another. So if you're trying to remember things, if you're trying to improve your working memory, your kind of short-term memory, go for a little walk, and then you'll start remembering things more easier. And um, when you're taking in those those memories, so take your notes with you if you want to remember it. If you've got a big presentation, go for a walk. Okay, well, take your presentation, and that will yeah, help you to you're remember walking it. walking down the street and, and everybody that me has an original, original point of view and i say hey hey what, what a wonderful kind of day hey when we can, can learn, learn to work, work and play hey and get, get along with each other you gotta listen to your heart listen, listen, to, the your beat, listen to the beat listen to the, the rhythm the rhythm of the street open up your eyes open, open up the ears, ears, get ears get together and make things better by working together Ooh, it's a simple message and it comes from the heart or oh, believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. And that's the place, the place to start. And I say Hey There we go. Oh, Arthur. Breaking the tunes. You. Hey, DW. Hey. When she falls off the phone. Remember that bit? I don't remember. Oh, unfortunately. Really loved Arthur. So there's there's a couple of other studies that have, have been shown to help improve your short-term memory, so this encoding process. Um, obviously we talked about walking. Another another study they did is um, trying to remember things in a natural environment like a forest versus an urban environment like a city. And they've shown What that is natural though these days? Hmm? Hm? That's, That's the forest. Natural. Hmm? Urban. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this. They showed <laughs> Think about it. I'll, I'll think have a think. Yeah. Alright, I'll have a think. But um they showed that. Uh, you remember be- things better if you're in a natural environment versus a, an urban environment. Even like Not even being in that environment. If you look at photos of forests, your recall or your ability to encode a short-term memory is better than if you're looking at photos of a city. Right. So get a load of pictures of forests around your desk. You're going to remember things more. Also different colors they've been shown that specific wavelengths of different colors because that's what the color spec you know that the color spectrum is just different yeah. wavelengths of, of do, light right who doesn't know who doesn't that? know that okay so um, different colors, but more specifically the wavelength of those those that light uh, affects brain arousal um, in different ways by increasing and decreasing the speed of neuronal assembly into networks to help uh, form memories. So a study shown when you're exposed to blue light, your hippocampus becomes more active and so your learning and memory is improved so again pictures of forests but have a like a blue background forest. Blue, forest. Blue, bells. blue blue bluebells, blue bells in the forest. forest so blue and forest is going Sometimes to really we'll help you encode short-term memories um now we're going to get into the retrieval i.e the remembering process and this is as we've been talking about what's kind of associated with intelligence rightly or wrongly but um one way to do it is, is associating it with images, so connecting an image to a piece of information that you're going to recall. But there's a, there's a really interesting concept called a schema. Schema. This is a mind palace. So this is kind of an organisation, a mental structure or framework that um, you use for basically making up the world as you see it. It helps us make more realistic assumptions about how to process and interpret information, how to store it, and then how to recall it. Um, and it's and the schema is based on your view of the world your opinions and like previous experiences in that world and how how you then um that kind of previous experience impacts how you how you retrieve memories um and so a simple explanation first time you touch fire it's hot Ooh, it hurts ow, ow, hot that is then encoded in in your memory as a way you remember the world it's put into a schema you go i now remember hot things are hot I'm not going to touch fire anymore yeah um, so it, it basically forget, you do forget and you touch fire. Oh, oh, oh! I was like, it's hot, hot again. I can't Remember that, but um, it kind of allows you to store bare bones memories, like like the basic information, and then flesh it out with your assumptions and knowledge of the world. Um, and so you kind of bring to mind associated information that's linked to that original memory. So um, people are usually better at encoding and storing long term memories and retrieving them um, if you have a well established schema. Um, so if it's something that, in a topic that you're personally interested in, personally interested in, and you have a schema for, Mm. um, you're more likely to remember information associated with that schema. So for example, for me, science facts, I f***ing love science. I have a schema. The way I think about the world is based out of a lot of science, um, and a lot of analytical thinking. Do you have a favourite science fact? A favourite science fact. That's a big question, that. That is a big, big question. Come back at the start of next pod if you want. Yeah, we'll yeah. think about that. So, start of next pod. So I'm more likely to remember facts about science because I have a well-established schema for the way I view the world through science. Mm. With you, you're more likely to remember facts about running or yeah, something Yeah, I'm not even good at that, to be honest. I'm not very good at... I mean, you mentioned the scheme as like a mine palace. I think yeah. mine's more like a, a like beach hut. A little, a little shanty hut. A, like just off like Blackpool Pier. Ugh. That' sounds, yeah that sounds grotty man. It's not great not great um poor schema so it's it's it 's weird because what it what this schema basically does is the way your opinions and the way you view the world um, make you more likely or less likely to remember certain bits of information and and if you think about it in the sense of like politics is a great example, based on your political views you 're more likely to remember information that supports your political view than mm. doesn't, and that 's probably a a problem that we have in in our ability we don 't tend to agree with each other we don't tend to take those opinions and, and remember those facts on board because yeah. it doesn't agree with our scheme it doesn't agree with you're our worldview. yeah exactly um so but also kind of these schemas obviously can help promote memory error or basically what's known as confirmation bias that we've just spoken about so you're more likely to remember facts with your political view and your standpoint and the way you view the world and your opinions than, than someone who has a completely different point of view mm. even if their information is right and yours wrong Yours is wrong, but your schema creates a confirmation bias there. Um, so it's why we have a hard time really handling information that, that we don't think is right or challenges is, challenges our view. So, guys, accept other people's opinions. Let's take on a bunch of views. Other. We'll have better mind palaces, better schemers, and we can all be friends. Peace, not war, guys. Peace, Peace not, not war. war. That's, that's Shorty B and the Vanilla Boys telling educate you there, yourselves. <laughs> Educate yourselves. Educate yourselves. <laughs> Sorry, Jesus. I'm delirious. It's absolutely it's delirious. Much, Last part of the science. pod, we have covered, we've had a marathon of science this morning, haven't I mean, we? My and word. Absolutely, you are literally, you're going <laughs> red in the face, you're slumped over in the corner of my bed because you've had too much science for the and day. i are about to pass out. You're not even going to be able to listen to this to, to no. cut it down, are you? Jesus. I mean, if you're still with us at this point, then give yourself a pat on the back. Go and go and have a cup of tea and like just like stare at a wall for half an hour. Yeah, take some time out. Or yeah, I guess even better, sleep. Have a little sleep. Sleep. Your brain, and you'll remember all these Brain, brain facts. consolidate all that information about Isaac's undercarriage. My undercarriage, my the colour of my pants. Um, Our cool wraps. Cool wraps. That sort of thing. God, it's been a hell of a pod. So Isaac, what are the learnings? What are the takeaways from here? What have you What have you learnt? What are you going to remember from this? Pay attention to stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and then you'll probably remember it more that, than if you didn't pay attention to it. That's your only takeaway from that this. Is that a good one? What 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 would you say are the Big takeaways for me? The salient points. Salient points. We should start a hip hop group. Yeah. Um You have a terrible beard because your face is covered in scars because you thought you could overtake me and you thought you were Chris Hoy. Just because you can't grow facial hair. <laughs> have a dig at you. Don't get bitter. Um you have an undying love for me deep and deep in your genitals yeah. that you probably need to go and get medical it attention starts for starts from the groin starts from the groin and makes its way up um, and that the Germans love bananas <laughs> Beethoven specifically is he German? But, uh, yeah yeah not like Austrian died in Austria born in Germany Fucking don't know how I remember <laughs> that, that. Is, yes. there we go a, let's, <laughs> just, let's let me fact check that that's a memory recall Beethoven like let's see live result born in where's Bonn? is Bonn in Germany yeah Bonn, Germany died in Austria where where's it where's it coming up Just born could... in Bon died in Vienna Austria <laughs> that's incredible that but, um, and on that note thank you very much for listening podders fairly well peace and love